Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Man, there's so much going on right now in our country, guys. And, um, you know, we were already uh, this got the idea. We really felt like the Lord was leading us into a, a series on the church. We are the church, and uh, we we're going to do some messages from Acts, and we're going a little bit different direction today. But, you know, uh, partly because of COVID, I mean, there's just been this, there's been this need. We haven't been meeting on Sundays, and just a need to kind of dive back into DNA, you know, just core values of love and worship and living this out day in and day out, being disciples, making disciples, house to house. Oh yeah, and we get to meet on Sundays normally, but we're not doing that. But because we're not doing that doesn't mean we stop doing all the other other pieces. So that was a part of it. And the other part was uh, just wanting to see happen with us what we see happen in the book of Acts with the leading of the Holy Spirit leading the church into new places. Like the church didn't necessarily want to go to Judea and Samaria, but through persecution, the Holy Spirit led them to do that. They didn't necessarily want to go to Africa, but the Holy Spirit led Philip to the Ethiopian and the gospel goes to Africa. Um, Didn't want to go to the Gentiles, but they, through this law enforcement empire representing centurion named Cornelius, and an open vision from heaven for Peter, he decides, yeah, I need to go, go to the, we need to go to this Gentile. Doesn't even get through with his sermon. And, uh, you know, God moves there in that place. So we're going to be talking about that in the weeks to come. But today, we're going to just lock in on just, I, I'm calling this message empathetic love or this, this time. And we're going to have a panel discussion here in just a minute. But I want to just say right, right off the bat, you guys, Racism is wrong. Racism is is wrong. And and systemic racism, historic racism, it's a real thing. And if you look at the history of our country, you know, you may not live in that reality, but it doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to understand how that's happened over time. And and and, uh, you know, there's been some books I've read that have helped me. Jamar Tisby's uh, The Color of Compromise, the church's role, even in helping to facilitate that, or I'm still here, Austin uh, Channing Brown, and uh, let's see, The White Awake was another one. Um, I I enjoyed, Houston said, I've read a bunch of these books too, but he said, man, the Lord's been having me just go back to the scriptures, you know, and so read your Bible, that'll that'll get you there too. to, that that this historic stuff, whether it's slavery going all the way back 400 years, or even when our constitution was formed, and the the Africans, the now African Americans that were slaves, not only did they not get the right to vote, but they only counted as two thirds of a person. That's dehumanizing. Two thirds of a person in determining the amount of people that would be represented in Congress for a certain area or whatever. So then you've got the Civil War. You've got Jim, Jim Crow laws. You've got uh, just ongoing segregation, racism, civil rights, segregation, all of those 
things, and, and here we are today. And some of us are aware of that, and others aren't. You know, and so it's, I, we're in the middle of a, a great awakening of sorts. You know, in our country right now, I've, I've heard it referred to as the next civil rights movement. And um, you know, if that's going to happen, the church needs to lead out in it. Be, and, and there's a lot of reasons. I'll, I'll give you three words. Jesus, gospel, and church. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He represents to us and shows us the revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons with distinction. We're not all the same, but we're, we're made to be one in that image, in the image of the triune and relational God of love. And we're made to be persons who have relationships with others and we don't merge into each other but we maintain our distinction and our beautiful differences, you know, and and the gospel itself is a gospel that forms us into being one people and how we've missed that and so truncated it down to just uh, we're out of here. It's about the afterlife and we're going to heaven and miss like so much of the New Testament is written specifically. It's got race in mind. It's got people groups coming together. No longer any separation. The wall is down, Ephesians 2. The whole Galatians, the first letter written in the New Testament, is about the, it's the implication of the gospel being, meaning that there's one people. One table is what started that whole thing. There's not two tables, there's one table. And so Romans written to about unity, first and second Corinthians, unity, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all the way through to Revelation, round the throne, one people together in God. God's our God and we are his people. And so this message today, what we're about to do with this panel discussion is about empathetic love, which empathy is, is when you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes but you've got to have sometimes uh, there's parts of this that are difficult. And I, you know, I we had a great conversation in the first service and and just pray for these guys, because that's it's a hard thing to then bear your soul again. And and so, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, we may catch some different things that we didn't. Y'all be free, you know, just as we share. And uh, uh, but I. Part of the way we love is by listening and getting in each other's shoes and part of the way, but you can't know without love and you can't love without, you know, ultimately knowing somebody is about love. So we talked about last week in epistemology, the way we know is through love. Okay, so with that, I want to welcome up Ken and Amaretha Freeman, Houston and Nikki McBemina, longtime family members here at Antioch. Thankful for them. Y'all come on up. Got microphones. Yeah, all right. Okay, so again, thanks you guys for doing this again. <laughs> and uh, just love y'all. Just really, really love you guys. And, and this, you, we are. T together as a whole, we are who we are because these families are part of our our church life and our family, our our fellowship, our community, and uh, just just thankful for you. It's been enriching just our conversations already this week and um, and in years past as well. Um, so, how long you been around? 
uh, Antioch, Christ Fellowship, going back in there. Tell everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Ken Freeman. This is my wife, Amarita. Uh, I'm not good on dates when we started, so. <laughs> but uh, I'll let her do the when we joined and all that. But I worked in the healthcare field, and uh, we started in, I guess I'll try, 09. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's been uh, ten years. Yeah. We were here when it was crap. See, eleven. Eleven. Come on. <laughs> Go to. Ken ain't good at math either. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the uh, what was that? The, the, school. the school, the academy, when it was Christ Fellowship. Yep. I right, never forget the first day we came. We were overdressed, <laughs> so we stuck out. <laughs> As you guys are casual, we came in a suit, Sorry. tie. Sorry. <laughs> so we, they knew we were new. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a, a great journey here. I, we, we really love it. Yeah. Amarita, and I'm a school counselor. I've been in education for 26 years. So just excited to be here. Um, was pregnant when we came in February 2009 and, and went through you know, birth early delivery with our son, Connor, who many of you prayed for and visited at the hospital as well. And uh, it was very, we were, you know, knew we had him in July, but everybody just reached out to us during that time and really uh, brought us in and loved on us. Yeah. Love it. Houston. Um, I'm Houston McBemina. I'm an assistant principal um, at Uplift Ascend Middle School. That's a public charter school in Forest Hill. Um, we, uh, uh, educate uh, youth that are at risk. Um, but uh, we came to Christ Fellowship at the time, um, now Antioch-Fort Worth, in 2013. Uh, Nikki was here before me. She was here in 2010. I'll let her kind of uh, speak to that. But um, what kind of like brought us to um, Antioch was we actually went to Antioch when we were at Baylor uh, together. So um when we moved up here, um, it was actually my sister-in-law, her sister, that um, told us about Christ Fellowship and said, hey, you guys should go. And we've been here ever since. So and I'm just thankful for for uh, Pastor Jamie, like almost immediately when we when I got to this church, like he sought me out and built a relationship with me. And I just I'm just very grateful for the relationship that we've had since then. Hi, my name is Nikki, and I moved to Fort Worth in 2010 after dental school. I started coming to Antioch, Fort Worth in 2013. Houston and I started coming here at the same time, but I had visited before we joined. And we've had great community here, and everyone's been really supportive through our different life stages. We had our firstborn here after we went here for years and I started a business here and everyone's been while we were here that's when I started the business and everyone's just really supported us through the different life stages and we're grateful to have you guys in our life yeah amen so uh just with everything that's happened uh in this the uh, Ahmaud Arbery Brianna Taylor now, most recently, George Floyd, and, and again, there's more, but just how are you guys doing? If you can just share, how, how are you thinking right now? How are you feeling? Just let us into your world a bit. 
Well, I think it's been a, a roller coaster of emotions, really. We were, I was saddened. I, I, I remember that Monday because I've been watching CNN for the COVID numbers and stuff. Yeah. And they said something about a news break. And uh, they showed part of the video. And uh, I was mad. Then I got sad. And then my daughter came down and, I had, and she watched it. And it was just overwhelming. I mean, I had anger, fear. I mean, all the emotions that ran through me. I couldn't decide what to tell her or, or what to say. But in the last two to three days, I've seen the media cover all the protests. I've seen more diversity than I've ever seen in a march. Yeah. I mean, you've, saw, you, you've heard people getting killed and there's been a protest, but the protest hasn't been downtown. It's been in the black neighborhoods at the black church. Yeah. They march two blocks. This is something bigger. Yeah. We've got black, brown, white all together for, for one goal, it seems like. This is something massive. It's building. It's, it's not nothing that's just going to just go through a 24-hour news cycle and it'll be over. This is something that's catching a wave now. People are opening up, looking, saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. Somebody else. Thanks, Ken. Um, we're hopeful. We're hopeful now that the conversation is in the open. When Armand Arbery was killed, we were very sad. Um, <clears throat> we're sad about the way he died, the, the public way in which it happened, the injustice of it. And... Within that sadness, there were times when we felt emotionally isolated, like not everyone saw or felt the impact of what was happening. But I thank God that now everyone is speaking up and and sharing in in these families' experiences, and everyone is asking questions. I, I thank God for that. And it's sad that other incidents happened after that, but now we're here and it's it's better for us to all be together in this. That's good, Nikki. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um hopeful. Uh, um kinda like Ken said you know, the initial reaction um, of the things that were happening, like, you feel numb at first, you know, just because it's like, it's not like you haven't seen it before. Um, and then, you know, that you get a roller coaster of emotions, you, you're sad, you're angry. I think anger sat with me for longer than it usually does. Um, just because I was mad at a lot of things, not just what happened, but like even my own indifference 
because I'm like par for the course, you know. Um, but um, and I said in the last service, you know, like I'm, you know, like I'm hopeful just because I know, just seeing again, like people and their attention is to it now, and people are open, and then just the way that you know coming back to church and the way that. Our church family's loving on us, and the people who don't look like me want to sit here and actually, you know, like, you know, open their eyes, open their hearts to what's happening. That's to me, that's very powerful. So, um, yeah, hopeful. Yeah. You want to share anything? Yeah. So, this one was a little harder just uh, last time, and I just I'm. Sensitive and just man, you guys love on these. Just pray for, pray for them. Um, just what are some things that you have to consider as a person of color that we need to consider, and and specifically, just how just have you experienced racism or prejudice or stereotypes in a way that's affected you? And uh, yeah, feel free to share. We want to hear. We want to. We want to learn. Well, uh, I'm not going to touch the topic I talked about earlier today. It was very sensitive. It was, well, go ahead. (laughs) It's uh, just think about your name. Think about naming your child. Think about naming your child a family name. But if you name him that family name, it might, when it goes on the application scholarship form, the person looks at it and says, you know what? We've already hit that quota. That name doesn't look neutral or, or white. Let's put him over to the side. So when we had to sit there, go through the baby name book, look for neutral names to try to give my, our kids a level playing field to get inside the door to once you get inside the door, to show your credentials that you are qualified. Those are some things that you might not never even think about. Or when you're in line at, at, at the restaurant, you pass up three or four tables. I'm going to the very back of the restaurant. I'm thinking, what's wrong with those two or three tables? It's just things in the back of your mind you never, you wouldn't think about, but I've been reared up to, it crosses my mind every day. When I, or just for instance, when we had all the churls in the church, it's a full house. My family, and there might be three empty seats, and there's a whole other family. But you go back and you put rows in the back of the church. The whole service, those three seats are empty. My wife might not think about it. My kids definitely not thinking about it. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, huh, wonder what's wrong with those three seats. But you put another whole row behind me for another whole family to sit. It's it's uh it's it's just something. I'm mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna ramble on about the, the things that that crosses my mind every day. 
I mean, we had a discussion after after she saw the video. She's like, did it not affect you? And I had to sit out and tell her, it, it affects me every day. When I leave the house, I'm thinking, is, is this going to be one of those days I'm going to come back? I'm going to get pulled over because I leave. It's dark. And I work in a healthcare field where I go to people's houses that do home dialysis. <clears throat> home dialysis. And uh, so I, I go to rural areas, farm to market roads. I see the uh, Confederate flags, yeah. the snakes flags, come and get it. And most of the people, the patients I've seen so far are in the 80s and late 90s, older white people. Now imagine an older white man seeing a black man coming to his house to help him. What is he thinking? Sign posted, no trespassing. I just have my uniform on. I can't get in the gate. I have to call him and call him. It's, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. It's yeah. challenging. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, guys. This is my second time talking about racism openly. The first time was at 9.30. So... <laughs> Um, Love you, Nikki. I, my story is that I moved here at the age of 10 to the United States, and I didn't know the history or context of skin color. I didn't know how it would shape my experience. I grew up in the suburbs. Most of my experience is positive. But as I got older, I started connecting the dots of things that I would see. I, when I was at Baylor, I used to call campus police to pick me up from the library and take me to my dorm if it was really late. I acknowledge the privilege that I've had and even with that, I saw differences. My scary encounter with law enforcement was in an African-American neighborhood. And I cried in the moment when I realized and heard with my ears why I was pulled over. It was because of the neighborhood I was in and the luxury car that I had, the assumption that I carried a weapon that day. I've never had one. While I was in dental school, in my class of 79 people, I was the only black person. So I heard jokes that hurt. I heard commentary that hurt. Because people didn't remember I was in the room. I'd walk down the hallway and see post, alert post of a six foot black man wanted for suspicious activity. And at the time, Houston was my boyfriend. And what I think to myself is we have more posts 
of a suspicious black man than we have black men here. My husband now, would, would he get in trouble for coming to visit me? Would someone call thinking he's suspicious? And that's, those are the thoughts that I had in that experience. And later on through the years, I just made observations and learned to work through any, any negative stereotypes that I heard people mouth. Um, and I'm trying to get through this without crying because that's what I did in the last service. Um, but um, it, <laughs> um, you know, you know, you you grow up and you you know you know witness a lot of things that aren't right or not just based off of your skin color. So, I mean, I I saw when I was younger. Um, you know, just being a kid and playing with a, another kid who was a best friend at the time who was white and having a group of other white kids asking that kid, why are you playing with the black guy? So that was kind of hurtful. Um, but the one the experience that sticks out to me is, you know, when I was older, I was probably 19 or 19 years old. Um, me and my friend, best friend, um, um, who's he's African, he's um, he's a black, he's black. We, um, you know, just, or we're coming from uh, seeing our our friend off. He was going to the Air Force, um, so we're celebrating him, and it was pretty late at night. Um, and I'm just trying to get get home as quickly as possible because you know, like you don't want to be out too late um, and you know trying to get you know back to the house drop my friend off and go home and I want to do it as quickly as possible so I want to go through Bel Air which if you if you live in Houston Bel Air is a really nice area in Houston and I'm from A-Leaf. A-Leaf is not as nice an area um, and and my dad's had this conversation with me like hundreds of times, you know. You're out there late at night, don't go through Bel Air, you know. There's places that you don't go as a black man. Don't go through Bel Air. Don't go through River Oaks. Um, so I had that in the back of my head, but at the same time, like, I'm trying to get to the house. I'm not trying to be out here longer than I have to, so I go through Bel Air. And lo and behold, you know, we get stopped and um, pulled over. Says that, you know, I had a broken headlight. I didn't have a broken headlight. And, you know, as he asked for my license registration, you know, it became clear, you know, that he saw us as, you know, like suspicious, like two black men in, in Bel Air, you know, just didn't didn't look right, seemed right to him. Um, so we, we got out of the car, frisked us, handcuffed us, sat us down on the curb, uh, went through the car. Um, 
I think the tough part was, you know, sitting on that curb and seeing people drive by and looking at us and as if we're criminals, which, you know, both students at Baylor, you know, growing up, I was in mostly AP classes. My best friend is a Rhodes Scholar. He's going to, he, he ends up being, you know, uh, uh, going to med school at Yale. So, I mean, we, we're not the description that, um, that I guess we fit for this cop. And I think the thing that, you know, like hurt the most was, you know, like just the indifference he had. He said, have a nice night and we're on our way. Um, and, you know, that experience at the time, I was really upset about it. I think the part, the thing that made me emotional in the other service that I didn't say in the other services when I got home, <laughs> that's the part that's, that I was remembering is the conversation I had had with my dad. If anybody knows my dad, he's a very stoic man. He doesn't say much. He's not scared of much. He doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve. But the fear that he had in his eyes that night, I never see my dad scared at all growing up. He just wanted to know if I was okay. And I was telling him, like, I was, me being a young guy, I'm ticked off, stop me for no reason. I'm just angry. Then I'm apologetic, you know, for like getting stopped. He told me not to go through there. I, well, I was just being stubborn. And he just was wanted to know if I was okay. I don't, that shook me, like just seeing the fear in his eyes, you know. Um, and then I think the thing that made that a little bit tougher was the fact that after having that moment, the next thing that we talked about is, let's go through this again. You're not supposed to be down Bel Air at night. Don't go through River Oaks at night. So it's like, we got to like regroup and do exactly, you know, the things and the steps and the lists that we had in order to make sure that when you go out, you come back, back home safe. So I think, yeah, that's, that was tough. Thanks for sharing again, Houston. Emory, did you want to? I mean, just, just summarizing pretty much what they said. I mean, I'm very much not, like you said, Nikki, um, I didn't, I think our experience as a woman is a lot different than our, our spouse because they're a male. Um, you don't face it overtly sometimes as they do, but you know, it is there, it's subtle. Um, and I do worry about my husband when he goes out that he's has, he has such a gentle soul and gentle spirit, but they yes, don't see that Right when they, when it, he's a tall six, four man, he's big and that, that simply in some people's eyes is a threat, not knowing who he is. And just teaching my children that, I mean, we've, we've really have kind of sheltered them. They've been sheltered. They've lived a very sheltered. They hadn't been exposed to a lot, but having to have that difficult conversation with them now. And 
My sweet Connor. I see where people say, when does my little sweet boy become a threat to society? And it hurts me when I think a sweet Connor. When does he become a threat to society? Because he's going to be like his father. He's going to be six feet plus. He's going to be a big man. When does that sweet soul become a threat to society? Thanks for everybody sharing again. I'm just we're uh, this is part of the part that's 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 hard is to have the conversation to hear, but it's so important for us to to hear what you guys are saying, and uh, we we need we need to hear. Um, and uh, you know, Houston, I I still remember early on we were meeting, and I remember the first time when we got close enough. For you to share that story with me, and it, and it was meaningful, and there was t- there was tears. I, I knew it was a big deal, and that we that we were going to a different place because you were willing to share that. And the Lord wants He wants He wants us all to go to a different place, even as as uh, our brothers and sisters are sharing. And so, as a result of this tragedy, with uh, most recently with George Floyd. Um, what is it that you want us to know or what is it that you want to say to somebody who looks like me as a, as a white man? Just that, that would help. That would. I thank God for, for our white brothers and sisters who've called out what is wrong. I thank God for everyone here. And recently I started private messaging people who I saw were we're publicly speaking and that's what I want to say is please when something is wrong let's let's acknowledge it let's say it we need your voice it matters we need each other's voices and just th- just that we need your voice good amen thank you Nikki yeah I'd agree with well what my wife said you know we need your voice. Uh, we need uh, we need you to, you know, acknowledge what is out there, that it's real. You know, systemic racism is a real thing. I'm saying this as a black man, but I'm also saying this as a Nigerian American. I, I don't have, I'm not from descendants of slavery, you know, but I can tell you as a Nigerian American that it's real because I see and I felt it and I've been in it just based off of the color of my skin. So I think the thing that I think uh, the thing that gives me like little patience is when when we have to have the conversation of whether it's real or not, it's real. Um, and I think you know, like the church, like we, we are equipped to handle it. You know, we have Jesus Christ. Um, Say it. So, I mean, we, we need to be bold in that, you know, like 
there's we shouldn't have any fear in what's happening. You know, like we have what it takes and we have who it takes to confront it and confront it head on and end it. Um, so, I mean, I, like I said in the other service, like I, I think it's time for us as a church to be bold. And it's not even bold, it's who we are, you know, to call these things out and to fix it. And we need to be in control of the of the atmosphere. Every room we walk into, like, we need to set the temperature for that. You know, like, that's that's what we do. And not allow any of these outside forces or voices to co-opt who we are. You know, we, we stand for God's perfect love and government. Um... So, I mean, like, I, we just need to be who, who we are, who we're called to be. Good, Houston. Amen. Amen. You, you remember the, remember the question? So, <laughs> what would you say, somebody like, like me, us, whoever, the uh, white? That you got a chance to see police brutality. For real. It's it's not make-believe. It's not something somebody thought up in the 50s and the 60s and the 30s. It's still here in 2020. And you got to see the anger and the frustration of one man for eight minutes and 43 seconds. Think about that. Eight minutes, 43 seconds. Do anything for that long. Be videotaped for that long. He didn't waver. He didn't flinch. This is what we must do. Not waver, not flinch. Stand up. When you see it, call it, like Houston said. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to say, man, that just isn't right. You got to start. We all have to. We can't turn a blind eye. You can't say, hey, it's not in my neighborhood. This isn't, this isn't happening around my, around my kids. Yes, yes, it is. We had a talk the other night. It, it's, it, it's in the high schools. It's in the middle schools. Kids all white on this side, all black on this side. How, how, does, that, how does that start? You got to think about that. How many friends do you have of color? How many people do you know of color? It's uncomfortable. Yes. We were uncomfortable. But we're here for the for a bigger cause. Like you said, we've got we've got we got we got the man on our side. It's time to, to say enough is enough. Well, I was talking to a couple of guys after the service. It was like, you know, what can I do? Just acknowledge it. That's the first step. When you're with a friend and you're here with the, with the crack and the jokes, no, man, that's not cool. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not with that type of language. 
Don't be afraid to say that. It's good, Ken. I've, I didn't think that the conversation my grandfather and my grandmother and my mother had with me, mm. I'm going to have to have with my kids. Mm. But I'm going to have to. This is what you are. You cannot do. This is what you must say. This is the sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. They're going to have to learn to live by that. When you get pulled over, you're going to have to take, boy, step over here. What are you doing? Where are you going? It's, it's, it's demeaning. In 2020, think about that. Like, like Jamie said, not Jim Crow years, not slavery. 2020, and we sitting here having this discussion. We can all do better. Yeah. Not just me, her, him, him. We. Yeah. Come on, kid. It's good. Just remember, I, I was, I couldn't sleep. My mind was racing all last night. I was thinking, bless you, brother. I'm sorry, man. Uh, and I thought about, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance. Everybody knows the Pledge of Allegiance, right? You remember the last part of it? Liberty and justice for who? All. For all. Not three over here, two over here. For all. Not for the white, not for the black, not for the brown. For all. And you said that, but you didn't hear it. We didn't hear it. We wasn't listening. I just pray that our ears are open now, that we can move forward on this. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You need to say anything, Nikki? Okay. All right. Okay. We're, we're about to land the plane here. Uh, just, you know, the... One of the things we're doing right now is saying, hey, we're the church. So as we're as we're moving forward, and I, both of you guys are already saying that, but is there anything else just for us being the body of Christ, for us being the church, is there, how can we do it better? Um, if uh, if, God's, if God's plan is to start in the church, how does it, how, how do we just, just keep, say a few things that, Encourage everybody. So, as you said, we are the church, and as a church, God created us in His, you know, His likeliness, and His mankind is in His likeliness, and we're the image of God, and we know that God is love. And as we go about our life, we have to honor that and show love in all ways. We can't dishonor God by choosing to put blinders on or to act like we don't see we have to be aware go out learn from people that are different from you take those things that you learn take it back to your family take it back to your people that you have community with and discuss those hard questions are we doing all that we can can we do more what else can we do just be proactive about it and speak up when you need to yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what I want, I pray that we do as the church is seek out our brothers and sisters from all backgrounds, black, white, brown. Let's seek one another out and 
and get input from one another and get contribution from one another and perspective from one another. So making that a priority into the future, not just now and not just this year, but making that a priority, it, it shapes all of us and it's a process. It's not gonna all change tonight, but if we're intentional in that process, we're gonna all become who God has designed us to be as the church. So well said. Yeah, I think it's very um, important that we turn to each other, not away from each other at a time like this. Um, I also, you know, I think that we need to refine, continue to refine our definition of love. And love is um, a lot more than just encouragement and hugs and kisses. Those are all the nice parts of love. But love is also having those hard conversations as well and being uncomfortable. You know, like all of us, we we are in a family. You guys have your families. The the best conversations I've ever had was with my parents when they were telling me things that I didn't necessarily want to hear at the time, you know, but I knew that they loved me because they were giving me that. So, I mean, for us, like, I think it's just going to be very, very important for us to continue to do that. Again, for us to continue to, you know, say what's, wrong and saying that systemic racism is real and that it's wrong and being bold and saying that as if it's, I mean, it's not bold. It's, it's the truth. And we as people of Christ, I mean, our job and our duty is to do these things. And I also think that um, I know that some of our, you know, Caucasian friends and family members, you know, are struggling trying to figure out how to attack this or I mean, we we have what we need and we have what it takes. If the, you know what I mean? Like, we have the word, we have Jesus, um, but we're also mobilized. We go all over the world. We're not afraid to step in dangerous places and to speak the truth and speak the gospel, you know? So this, we, we should attack this with the same energy. It's good. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, again, when Houston it just reminded me when Houston said that again, just I, I want to say to us, you know, we're we're an apostolic people. We're a church plant, reproducing church planting church, planted churches all over the place, involved in church planting around the world, literally, and have a hundred plus teams with Antioch in different locations. And when we send missionaries into places, you don't go in and just do your deal. You're not just you. You go in to reach those people. You change you to reach the people you're trying to reach. And and part of us being the body of Christ here together is understanding each other. I, this is you know it's not this is the beginning, but but it's it's we change so that we can understand and love and under, understand hearts, but also uh, reach people and be the church that. Uh, you know, I, you know, Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you know the hope to which you've been called and the glorious riches of the inheritance that's in the saints. And I want you guys to just really, just, uh, to, and now you, you are, but, but appreciate the riches that, I mean, we wouldn't be who we are as a whole if it wasn't for the McBeminas and the, and the Freemans and every other, you know, all the, diverse ethnicities that are in the in the church and uh 
We need it. It's part of who we are. I'll finish with this last bit. I'm going to ask two of you guys to pray. Y'all do a nudge, one one and two another. <laughs> but uh, but uh, and, then, and then I'll finish up with blessing. But but um, just uh, you guys are killing me. Um, so uh, just change can. Ha- We've talked about the change process for decades around here. We're in our 28th year, and, and the change pro- it's awareness. Like you can, like you can actually start having a quiet time, and we can actually start thinking differently about race and relationships and oneness in the church with awareness. That's a, there's a starting point. Like, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't know all that. There's awareness, biblical conviction. There's plenty of biblical conviction to go around on this issue. I mean, it's huge. It's it's right straight through the New Testament. Um, lifestyle change. That's where we actually start scheduling lunches or dinners or. Uh, actually getting into each other's world. This was one of the big questions I had. Had a long conversation on Thursday afternoon that was impromptu with the lead pastor from Potter's House, Fort Worth, who's a dear friend. But it was like, he was like, what about the next piece? I, not just the thing on Friday night. What about the next deal? And it's, and it's, it's we got into lifestyle change. We got into schedule. We, we are going to have to change our schedules to, to come and do this. Accountability is like having a few people to to say, okay, you really going to do it? You really getting up? Are you really going to do that? And then no more excuses is the fifth piece. And I can't blame it on the way I was raised or who, who, what didn't happen or what didn't happen, but having a vision of the church that's going to cut through to the end and to us seeing the church really being the representation of Jesus Christ in the world from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue that represents the diversity of God and the fullness of the Gospel that we preach. So, uh, amen. A couple people pray. I'll finish this with prayer. God, thank You for bringing us here together in Your love. Thank You for, for giving us the words and speaking to the hearts of Your sons and daughters. Yes, God. God, we pray for we pray for change. Yes. We pray for progress. We pray for us to be able to love one another the way you love us, O oh Lord. Yes, Lord. God, I thank you for this conversation. And I pray that you give us the strength that we'll need in the days ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Yes, Lord. Amen. Father God, come to you and say thank you for your grace. Yes. Thank you for your mercy. Yes. Thank you for your love. Yes. Father God, I want to say thank you for letting us come up here on this panel today and speak not only our words, but these are the words that you have put in our mouths, in our hearts, in our souls, in our lungs, Father, that comes out, just spews out. And I ask that those words that were spoken today, that they weren't taken in vain, Father, that people's ears were open. People's hearts were, were, were filled. Minds were changed this morning, Father. I hope that this isn't just a panel that starts here, Father. This is, that there's another church down the street having the same conversation. Let it be so, Lord. I ask that this isn't just the, the start, Father. That this is just the beginning of something bigger, Father. And I ask that you pray for the protesters that's out there today, Father. 
that this isn't just something that's going to end, end tomorrow, Father, or the next day, Father, that you give them the strength to keep going, stay steadfast, Father, that they have the, the courage to keep moving on as we want them to help us as we need help. But I pray for the brothers and sisters, white, black, brown. I encourage them to know that you are the one, Father, that they have you in their hearts, Father, that they have you on their minds, Father, when they're out there protesting, Father, peacefully, Father. Yes, Lord. I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for all you've given us. And only you know what's, what's ahead for us, but you wouldn't put it out there if we couldn't get to the finish line. Yes, Father, I just want to say thank you for Pastor Jamie Miller and this, the church, Antioch. You've, you've shown him things and ideas and you filled his heart and he's pressed fast to lead us into a direction that we need to be, Father. I ask that you encourage everyone in here to go out and take a look and say, what can I do, Father? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I ask that you give them the strength to be uncomfortable, Father. This is what it's going to take, Father. Yes, sir. To be uncomfortable. I ask these things in your name. Amen. Taylor, we do just say amen to what you're doing. And we pray for peace. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for justice. We pray for righteousness. We ask for your kingdom to come in power. That your will would be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Make us that thin place where heaven's breaking in. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, together we say amen. I want to encourage you guys as we're going to shower these guys with love. And uh, I just, I'll tell you from experience, the most vulnerable place that you can be is when you step down from, the, from speaking or being in front of people. Did I say it right? Did I do it right? Did I say enough? Did I say it right? Da, 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 da. And so, you know, love on these guys, not just now, but send them text messages and emails and that kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about them right now it's just we need each other and we need we need that love flowing to you guys and i really from the bottom of my heart say thank you for for doing this today this this is a great ministry to the church today and may it just uh may you guys just be blessed a hundred times over because i know this is a big deal and you get some rest, get a nap this afternoon. <laughs> and uh just you guys, Ken is like he's a gentle giant. He's he's but he's kind of shy. Maybe maybe I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but just but like get a microphone and standing up here and, and doing this. Yeah, y'all give it up. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay. May the Lord bless you, may he keep you, may his face shine on you as you go out of here. Let's be people that are changing the world because that's what Jesus wants to do in and through us. Go in peace. Amen.